African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us uh, right here for a new week of African Dialogue. Uh, thank you for joining us on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. And remember, you can listen to us on DSTV on Channel 902. That's on the audio bouquet. And online, we're on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, today on our program, we'll be focusing on looking at the status of the African National Congress and also the political landscape in South Africa. There's a lot that seems to be happening in that regard in terms of uh, just the influence of uh, uh, the issue of state capture, which is a new term that is coming into the realm of our politics in South Africa. But before we get into that, let's get our news from Onelinzinzi. Thank you, Benjamin. Now we take a look at your headlines. Another explosion hits a metro station in Brussels. South Africa believes that neutralizing the negative forces in the eastern DRC will require the optimum utilization of military resources deployed in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And Guinea's Ebola coordination units traces 816 people who may have come into contact with victims of the disease. An explosion has been heard at Mail Big metro station in Brussels, close to the European Union institution. This follows two explosions that ripped through the departure hall in Brussels airport. Metro airport operators STIB has announced on Twitter that the metro was closing. Meanwhile, the explosion that tore through the departure hall of Brussels airport on Tuesday have so far left one person dead with several others injured. A news agency says shots were fired and there were shouts in Arabic shortly before the explosions. The blasts occurred four days after the arrest in Brussels of a suspected participant in the November militant attack in Paris that killed 130 people. Belgian media reports that rail traffic to the airport has has been suspended. South Africa believes that neutralizing the negative forces in the eastern DRC will require the optimum utilization of military resources deployed in the Democratic Republic of Congo. South Africa's Defense Minister Nosif Wema Bizangakula was speaking during a UN Security Council debate on the Great Lakes region that also covered the political concerns in Burundi, Uganda and South Sudan. The South African National Defense Force is part of the UN mission to the DRC's force intervention Brigade. Mabisa Ngakula says the international community needs to collectively identify the root cause of conflict in the Great Lakes region. As the international community, collectively, we need to go back to basics and identify the root causes of the conflict in the Great Lakes region. In addition to the resource paradox mentioned earlier, we should also take into account the interwoven interest groups whose pursuit for power and natural resources 
overshadow the importance of developing the area and redistributing the wealth of the land to the people of the region so that they too, like many societies in the world, can thrive and live a prosperous life. Kenya's Ebola Coordination Unit has traced an estimated 816 people who may have come into contact with victims of the disease or their corpses during a recent flare-up in a village in the country's southeast. The organization says the villagers will be quarantined in their homes for 21 days, after which time, if they have not developed symptoms, will be released. The World Health Organization announced an end to active transmission in Guinea last year, December. And finally, forests have a critical role to play in protecting water resources around the world. This is according to the Food and Agricultural Organization. Eight out of ten people in the world have difficulty in regularly accessing enough water. The UN agency launched a new program aimed at enhancing the role of forests in improving water quality and supplies as part of the International Day of Forests marked last Sunday. Forestry expert at FAO in Rome, Elaine Springe. The new Forest and Water Program, which we launched at International Day of Forests, is based largely on a high-level work plan that was launched at the World Forestry Congress in September of 2015. And this work plan basically is trying to promote the integration of scientific knowledge and integrating this into practices and policy related to forests and water. And one of FAO's first pilot sites will be the Futajala and Highlands Project, which is a project in Western Africa that is looking at how to improve natural resource management to improve water accessibility in what is considered a water tower for the region. And recapping on your top stories, another explosion hits a metro station in Brussels. South Africa believes that neutralizing the negative forces in the Eastern DRC will require the optimum utilization of military resources deployed in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And Guinea's Ebola Coordination Unit traces 816 people who may have come into contact with victims of the disease. Channel Africa News. Good news for listeners in America. You can now listen to Channel Africa by phoning 605-47-1711. So, if you're a Channel Africa listener in America, simply dial 605-47-1711. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Yeah, that's good news indeed that uh, we've got some listeners uh, from the U.S. who can actually listen to us. Remember, they can phone us in and give us their thoughts. Uh, They can listen to us by phoning, rather, uh, by simply dialing uh, 605-475-1711. That's uh, listening to us uh, by phoning in on 605-475-1711. That's only for our listeners in America. 
And uh, also, we have a new WhatsApp number that you can also give us your views on. Plus 27-76-300-3327. That's plus 27-76-300-3327. Now, coming to today's subject matter, the African National Congress National Executive Committee, also known as the NEC, met over the weekend over a controversy engulfing the government that one top official said is threatening to turn South Africa into a mafia state. For an example, Finance Minister Pravin Gordon is engaged in a public spat with the police over the investigation into the National Tax Agency. The probe President Jacob Zuma has backed and just recently the Deputy of Finance and two former ministers, a former ANC MP, dropped bombshells saying they were offered cabinet posts by the powerful Gupta family. We'll talk about who the Gupta family in context is in terms of uh, uh, just giving you context in that for our African listeners. Now, to look at uh, this outcomes, we are joined by guests. But before we get into our interview with our guests on the line, let's listen to a report by uh, Tepui Kaneng following a briefing after the ANC and uh, after their NEC meeting in which the African National Congress has strongly condemned any attempt by business conglomerates to capture the state and influence the awarding of multi-billion rand government contracts. We reject the notion of any business or family group seeking such influence over the NC with the condemned it deserves, while also recognizing the need to act to protect the integrity of our government and our organization. In addition, the NEC expressed its utmost disgust at the arrogance, disrespect and reckless journalism displayed by the New Age newspaper and the representative of the Gupta family. They have characterized the NC as a group of factions for and against President Zuma. If Jacob Zuma's son is in business with the Guptas, that is something else. What will concern us is only when that relationship impacts on the ANC. Uh, who does business with you is not what we, we should be preoccupied with in the ANC. But if that relationship begins to impact on the ANC, that is what we are going to safeguard the ANC for. If we must confront the Guptas, we will confront them. If they are in the space with us and uh, their name keeps on popping up around the ANC, the ANC will have to engage with that. The ANC doesn't listen to a hype that everybody is, is, is calling for. The resignation of the president, the recall of the president and others, Abu Lamola, come and even pick at us here with the, recall the president. If the organization can work that way, you will have no organization in no time. The organization must get information, process it, and take concrete decisions. At this point in time, taking decisions because there is a hype in the media, many people will be injured in the process. Well, that was the voice of uh, the ANC's uh, Secretary General, Gwete Mantashe, there uh, on the weekend with that press briefing that took place on uh, Sunday evening. Now, joining us, we've got Dr. Somadota Figeni, an independent political analyst, and Vayavi Mudarai, who is a social media analyst, to look at the trends of the conversations that took place online. Dr. Somadota Figeni, thank you for giving us your time. Uh, Let's look at what's happening currently. 
there's a new uh, term. It's not really a new term, but one that is now dominant in South Africa's politics, the issue of state capture and also the relationship between uh, the Guptas and also uh, the president of South Africa. What are your thoughts on the current political landscape that we're seeing currently? Well, I think the positive thing is that this matter has come to sharp focus because it's been talked about for a very long time, a few years now, without it being tackled. And it was becoming a cancer that, uh, you know, the ruling party was not uh, acknowledging. Now that people have come to the fore, ANC has an opportunity to correct the problem. But again, it also damages the reputation of the president when you do have such an array of confessions and testimonies of people implicating the people who are close to the president and the people who also have embraced the family of the president. Then it can only damage the image of the president and the image of the country as well as the image of the ANC if there's no decisive action in that direction. Mm. And also what has been interesting is uh, the issue of uh, the two camps that seem to have come out and the issue of factionalism within the African National Congress, which seems to actually be actually divided on this particular matter. What do you make of those speculations and those reports of actually this has divided the ANC, this issue of state capture, Doctor? Well, to the extent that ANC was going to be somewhat divided, leading to its succession battles as it has happened in the past, this has simply precipitated that for a number of reasons. Because the other section of the ANC believes that the Premier League, those people seem to be closely associated with the president, are directly funded by the Guptas, that's giving them an unfair advantage. And they are capturing some of the state apparatus in order to pursue some of their own ambitions. So to that extent, I think it made this matter even more urgent, even before elections. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back to you, Dr. Somadota Figeni, just to unpack some of those dynamics as you highlighted. And we'll come back to you as well, Yavi Mudarai, to look at what we saw last week and this weekend in terms of social media trend and in terms of this particular story. You are listening to Channel Africa. This is African Dialogue with me, Benjamin Mushata. We want to hear your thoughts. Plus 27763003327 is our WhatsApp number. So you can go into WhatsApp and contact us on this particular number. Give us your thoughts it's on plus two seven seven six three zero zero three three two seven. Our question that we're asking, how close should the leaders in the government be in terms of uh, uh, within, uh, how sh- close should they be with the, those who are influencing, especially in private enterprise and in businesses and how much influence should businesses have in uh, a governance of a country? Give us your thoughts. What's up us on plus two seven seven six It's 11.15 Central African time. Let's take a quick break. Channel Africa is turning 50 this year. And to celebrate this milestone, Channel Africa invites you, our listeners, to send us anniversary messages. It's simple. Just call us on this number, plus 2783-913-3000. 
and follow the prompts to leave a short message. We would love to hear from you and we are looking forward to hear your well wishes. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. Yes, you are listening to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. We're proudly South African and we're proudly to say, hey, we love this continent of ours. And every day here on African Dialogue, we zoom into one big topic that is taking place on the continent. Today, we're coming back to look at South Africa's political situation. Some are calling it a crisis. Some call it a moment of uh, deepening of the polarization within the leading uh, party in the country, the African National Congress. And Today we're looking at uh, the issue of state capture, uh, the relationship between the Gupta family and the president of the country. And uh, coming to you, uh, uh, Yavi, in terms of looking at the social media analyst, uh, anal- an analytic uh, perspective of things, what did you see over the weekend in terms of this press conference and also leading up to uh, this whole conversation between uh, the relationship between the Guptas and uh, the uh, president of the country? Well, as you just uh, rightfully mentioned, is that, you know, there was kind of, uh, well, within the ANC, there was two camps that kind of emerged, not not officially, but obviously very unofficially. Mm. And um, that was reflected from a social media perspective. So um, a lot of it was around, you know, um, uh, President Zuma is not the only one that has had influential relationships, number one. Number two, the Guptas have not only had an influential relationship with Zuma, but with other previous presidents, and there were pictures floating around social media about certain members of the Gupta family being caught in photographs with other previous presidents, vice presidents, ministers, etc., etc. Then there was the element of, from a social media perspective, around, well, what is the debate? What is the topic of conversation? What are we actually having a, a conversation about? And the conversation is about, now there seems to be, uh, Benjamin, quite a, quite a huge um, uh, direction mm. of trying to discredit those that have come forward. Mm. So the likes of, you know, um, Deputy Minister Jonas, um, now there's kind of information coming out about that he was, you know, he was fired, he had resigned due to corruption charges, mm. etc., etc. So the issue at hand right now on social media is reflective of what is happening in the physical world. The online world is reflecting what's happening in the physical world. Mm. What it's saying is that people are confused. People are trying to, to, to analyze all of this, this information that is coming out. I think at the end of it all, there is one sentiment that is coming out very strongly, whether you are pro-ANC, against ANC, pro-government, against government, it doesn't really matter. One, one element is coming out. Does the president, because it is, it is his prerogative mm. to appoint ministers, and that is where this whole story started, right? Mm. Is his prerogative to appoint ministers or ministerial positions or anyone in that particular you know, high-level or high-ranking position, is it being influenced unduly by other parties, whether it be the, Gupta or, the Guptas or otherwise? Mm. So that is the topic of conversation that is flying around. The other aspect of it is, is that some people are actually kind of going, well, we knew that the NEC was not going to 
ever recall the president. This is, you know, this is where the ANC holds strong. Mm. However, the fact that Greta Mantasha is leading the investigation, that has come out as a, as a topic of conversation as well on social media. Sure. Let me come back to you, Dr. Samadota Figeni, in terms of looking at the Gupta family themselves, because we broadcast into Africa, and some people might say, hey, we don't know who this Gupta family are, and what is their claim to this link to the African National Congress? Do we know more about where the Guptas come from, their background and their relationship with uh, South Africa? The Guptas were young people in their mid-30s when they came in 1993 and more members were to come. They came as small business people not having succeeded in India where they came from. And within no time they seemed to have established some ties with some people in the political establishment as their modus operandi or mechanism of accessing business. And they started building uh, their traction in business. And uh, at that time, they were closer to uh, the likes of Minister Pahad, who was the minister in the presidency of Tabumbegi in the late 90s and uh, up until the time when Tabumbegi was recalled. And uh, later on, when uh, President Jacob Zuma seemed to have been experiencing his challenges, they managed to bring him closer, to surpass all other people like uh, Shabir Sheikh and Sheikh family, uh, the Reddy, uh, which is another Indian business community, who had assisted him during his trials and tribulations. And uh, they captured, basically, uh, some members of the family, uh, like the sons or the daughters of the president and mm. relatives mm. into their business empire, which was forever expanding in all different directions with no area of specialization. And uh, ultimately, they seem to have grown to an extent of having an influence in the uh, South African government uh, entities, particularly your parastatals and the distribution of resources mm. from different departments. Mm. And they have a special relationship with the president. You know, what's also interesting, Dr. Somadota Figeni, we're living in a landscape, as you as was highlighted there uh, by Vai Mudarai, looking at the social media aspect of things, where we're seeing now uh, even leading political figures actually now taking on uh, their commentary onto social media. We saw this on Facebook, where the former MP of the ANC uh, and also member of the caucus of the ANC, Vaiki Mento, coming out on Facebook and actually saying that she she was approached by the Guptas on a certain job position. What are your thoughts around that landscape where we're seeing um, political figures uh, making commentary on social media? It's very interesting and dynamic, isn't it? For as long as there was perception that within the ANC the matter was not being taken seriously, remember that the Guptas landed at the Air Force Base, which is usually preserved for the heads of states and our president to land for their wedding party. And ANC doesn't seem to have taken the matter seriously. Some of these reports about the Gupta influence into government came up, and ANC never seemed to take them seriously. And it is that reason that you begin to see people using other avenues. Now that ANC has established its internal mechanism for people to report, 
it remains to be seen one as to whether people believe that this is credible or it's also a captured space. If that be the case, mainly your ANC members will start utilizing that first. But if that doesn't seem to move or seem to diminish or manipulate the outcomes of what they reported, it will be back in the media again. Very interesting. And Yavi, uh, your thoughts there on seeing political figures actually taking on social media as a form of independent expression? So this has obviously been a huge topic of conversation in South Africa for the past couple of weeks, and, and I've been very busy in various media, media outlets mm-hmm. trying to, to put it into context. So there's a couple of things that we need to remember. The, 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 the country, as it stands from a social media perspective, um, I'll throw some stats at you, so it's not, you know, it's not my subjective opinion. Sure. Um, you know, 99.1% of the people um, in South Africa log on to Facebook first before they log on to anything else in South Africa um, every single morning. Um, the, the other thing around it is that the fastest, the fastest growing demographic on Facebook is, is 40 and above. Um, the fastest growing demographic on Instagram is, is 18 to 28. So we're looking at a huge demographic of people who are the voting community of this country that are watching and seeing things that are happening and playing out in their, in their own spaces, spaces that they are comfortable with, spaces that they are, you know, happy being able to be um, uh, uh, getting information from. And this is the information that is informing them of their decisions. Their cousins and uncles and brothers and friends mm. and work colleagues are all talking about this stuff. Mm. So they're going to trust that, you know, th- that kind of information. Mm. We all know the power of word of mouth advertising and peer recommendation. Sure. So, you know, let me put it to you in that context. The other aspect of it is we need to look at um, is very much around. I don't know. I think we lost someone on the line there, but you can car- carry on, uh, uh, Yavi, there. Sorry, Ben. Sure, I, sure. I thought I'd lost you. No, um, so when we look at it from that perspective, it becomes very interesting in that the, the fact that the ANC, who have admitted last week in another debacle that had happened from an online or social media perspective, is that they don't have a policy. They don't have um, things in place to be able to manage their online reputation and their online world. They kind of just do things at random. So here becomes the problem is that there is conversations, there are things happening, there is information being being trusted by, by their voting public that they are not having a say in. They're not being able to contribute to those conversations because mm-hmm. they're not actively mm-hmm. managing the space. So when we look at that in, our, in context, now that I've given you kind of the different angles of it, sure. it becomes very interesting that in, in, in this crisis time, you know, there's, there's not much focus. Now, I have to also add another aspect to mm. this, is that the likes of the DA and the likes of the EFF yeah. utilize the online and social media space very well. Sure. So they are getting their messages out there. Um, mm. The EFF released a song last week specifically about the whole Gupta Gate scandal. <laughs> um, you know, so there's a whole lot of stuff that is happening on there. And my word of, my word of advice, for lack of a better term right now, mm. is that people need to understand the power of the space mm. and that people are being informed. The voter, the voter who is standing there and, and ticking in a ballot box, uh, ticking a ballot box, is kind of going, what, is, what has informed me of late? Where mm. am I 
voting? What is my perception of who I'm voting for? And this is not only, unfortunately, not only radio, TV, and print media. Sure. The social media space has a huge power and influence over a lot of the voting public in South Africa. So let, let me wrap it up with you, Dr. Somadota Figini, because I know I have to let you go in a few minutes. I want to look at it from a continental perspective. We're seeing this huge influence of the Gupta family in South Africa and this business, these business figures now, they're becoming these uh, media uh, savvy people, mine owners in South Africa. Have we seen this context somewhere else in the continent where we're seeing business figures almost becoming um, almost political uh, figures as well? Well, not really. Uh, in the main, what you have seen in the African context is a foreign multinational corporation exercising influence mm-hmm. by having ties with uh, the elite of that country because they have a particular business interest in a particular sector. And uh, then the political elite would respond by embracing it in a corrupt relationship and create an almost monopoly situation. Mm. The South African economy and the political landscape is rather too complex for one family to capture. And what seemed to have happened here, the modus operandi of the family was to capture the presidential uh, family as well as the other key political figures in order to influence their way. They do not have any area of specialization. They see an opportunity. They approach this minister according to the reports. If mining opportunity comes, if military opportunity comes, if agriculture, anything then they go for it, and in return, I would be certain that there is patronage networks that they feed into politics. So it's not a genuine business well established in a sense. Mm -hmm. And it's different also from the deep state that you normally see in places like Turkey or Egypt, Mm -hmm. where the military will have embedded itself and then it uses business uh, as, as its conduits to sort of control and have an informal power structure. And it's different from the Russian situation when they unbundled the state-owned assets, they created oligarchies. At least there, the state still called the shots. In this case, it was clear that they were beginning to encroach into different spaces uh, of government, and uh, it looks like that particular exercise will unravel now. Well, thank you so much for your time, Dr. Sumatota Figeni. Uh, thank you for giving us your time. We're going to stay with you, Yavi uh, Madurai, uh, social media analyst, because I really want to pick your brain on some of these dynamics in terms of the social context of what's happening in terms of the how social media is almost leading the way of the agenda, especially when it comes to our politics, in light of this conversation that we are talking about. But today we're asking you a question. How close do you think business people should be to politicians give us your thoughts uh, you can uh, actually send us uh, your whatsapp thoughts and uh, do whatsapp us on that number that i mentioned earlier on uh, so you do go on to whatsapp and then uh, you just whatsapp us on the number plus two seven seven six three zero zero three three two seven that's plus two seven seven six three zero zero three three two seven the question we're asking how close should business people be to politicians it's eleven thirty central african time let's take a quick break i am an african i owe my being to the hills and the valleys 
the mountains and the glades, the rivers, the deserts, the trees, the flowers, the seas, and the ever-changing seasons that define the face of our native land. My body has frozen in our frosts and in our latter-day snows. It has thawed in the warmth of our sunshine and melted in the heat of the midday sun. The crack and the rumble of the summer thunders, lashed by startling lightning, have been a cause both of trembling and of hope. The fragrances of nature have been as pleasant to us as the sight of the wild blooms of the citizens of the felt. The dramatic shapes of the dragon's back, the soil-colored waters of the Likwa, Ikreli, Notugel, and the sands of the Kalahati have all been panels of the set on the natural stage on which we act out the foolish deeds of the theater of the day. At times, and in fear, I have wondered whether I should concede equal citizenship of our country to the leopard and the lion, the elephant and the springbok, the hyena, the black mamba, and the pestilential mosquito. A human presence among all of these a feature on the face of our native land just defined, I know that none dare challenge me when I say I am an African. Yes, uh, this is Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. That's interesting, actually, to hear that voice. Uh, as you can see that um, years back, it was the same Tawambeki who was recalled. And now there has been uh, uh, conversations on recalling uh, the current president of the country, Jacob Zuma. But there's a lot of divisions around that. And a lot of, uh, as you heard from the conference this weekend, uh, Gwede Mantasha saying it cannot happen because, you know, uh, the difference between uh, uh, Tabo Mbeki and Jacob Zuma is that when Tawambek was recalled, he was no longer the president of the ANC. But uh, now we're seeing this complex situation where uh, Jacob Zuma, the president of the country, is uh, both the president of the country and both the the president of uh, the ANC. Uh, Very interesting Yavi, what's happening in terms of social media. And and what I've seen is that conversation of recalling um, President Jacob Zuma being the more dominant voice, especially on Friday last week. You heard people saying, Mm -hmm. hey, this man needs to be recalled. Before actually we even heard anything from the uh, NEC, there were a lot of predictions Mm -hmm. around that area. Hey. Yes, there was. But, you know, having said that, um, is that there were two, there were two camps, again, you know, that, that, that kind of emerged on social media as well, is that the, 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 the two different sets of opinion was that, yes, he should be called, I think, some of the emotional, passionate group of people, and I'm talking about social media, so I'm talking about, you know, the South African citizens, the public, um, whoever, whatever term you want to use to, to refer to the voting public, um, is that, you know, he has to be recalled, this is ridiculous, um, you know the the, the 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 term the term that or the coi the, the phrase that was coined by by Julius Malema was Zupta, you know, so it's a combination of Zuma and Gupta, mm-hmm. and Zupta must fall, which has become our South African way of saying things must go when we use the terminology must fall on social media. So there was that angle. There was this very passionate uh, plea, you know, after the fakey mentor issue, and him saying he didn't know her, and you know, there was this huge passion and this huge a huge outcry. From, from, you know, lots of the people on social media to say, look, he needs to go. He needs to be recalled. Let's use the NEC to be able to do that. Then there were people that were going, this is not as, 
as, as one-dimensional as it is. This needs to be investigated. This needs to be looked at in a different way. This is not the time to recall the president. Now is the time to understand we've got municipal elections on us. Um, you know, God forbid it, it, gets, it takes any longer for us to be able to go <laughs> to municipal elections. But, you know, that date is coming sooner or later. Um, let's get through that and, and, and get through the next couple of months and being able to understand that. The NEC, true to form, you know, uh, political analysts, uh, like the doctor previously, um, other political analysts said he's not going to be recalled. Hmm, you know, hmm, those hmm. people that are close, he's not going to be recalled. Sure. The ANC is not going to recall him at the NEC. They've got other things to worry about in terms of the municipal elections and those kind of things. And true to form, they did not recall him. Actually, it wasn't even on the agenda. You would have seen news reports um, from the media that were there, and obviously the people that were that were on social media uh, that were present that said that it wasn't even technically tabled as a formal discussion. Hmm. Point. There were rumors on social media as well. Remember, social media is social, right? Sure. So it's discussions. It's not necessarily fact. Yes. Um, there were rumors on social media that said that um, in the lead-up to the NEC, um, those Zuma supporters had created a whole portfolio of dirt, in inverted commas, on anyone that if they raised it at the NEC, they were going to use that as a, as a targeting technique. Um, and we're actually beginning to see the beginnings of that, of that dirt being starting to discredit mm-hmm. those people that have started to come forward. So right now we're sitting with a huge um, social media standoff, if mm-hmm. I can put it that way. But it is, Benjamin, highly reflective of what is happening in South Africa and how people are feeling. And um, the interesting thing that I kind of want you to put into context and your Mm. listeners into context is that sometimes the the traditional media, your newspapers, radio, TV, and those kind of things, they look at it from a very official and very formal perspective. Social media is the voice of the people. Mm. It's what people are feeling. It's what they're saying. But also another conversation, speaking about, you know, these uh, elite voices versus social media, what came out on Sunday was the Oliver and Adelaide Tumble Foundation conjunction with the Nelson Mandela Foundation and the Ahmed Katrada Foundation writing a letter saying they're concerned about the direction of the ruling party's heading. And that also changed the dynamics of, uh, it's not just uh, the person on the street who's concerned, but also yes. these uh, elite figures that we've seen who stand for the morals of democracy and that just spin things around as well absolutely and remember these foundations are very active from a social media perspective you know if we're talking social media we ha- we need to look at it from that from that angle and when you look at it you know people are reading this i mean i follow all of those foundations on facebook and twitter and, and instagram and whatever else and they they you know and we've not we've long known that the veterans have spoken out about you know the misdirection or that is not what was fought for etc cetera, etc cetera. so we're sitting with a situation where um, there's credible voices that are now coming forward. There's the voice of the people, um, you know, that is that is saying something. And my worry or my concern is that this is not necessarily being very well managed by the likes of the ruling party. And and you know, from a from an online perspective, that that particular area is not being dealt with. So we're sitting with a situation where. Yes, there are press conferences and there's press releases for the, the, the formal media, the official media. But the official media is not the only media that they need to be worried about. I mm. think that, that, that for me becomes the, the, the point of no return. Mm.
Now, what is your thoughts and maybe the conversations that are happening around the issue of cabinet reshuffle? Because that seems to be where we're leading to the conversations going somewhere in that realm. Well, here's the thing. Apparently, you know, um, and once again, I'm I'm quoting some of the stuff. You know, obviously, in preparation for this interview, we we kind of sweat the internet, so to speak, to kind <laughs> yeah. of pick up on what sentiment sure, was sure. there and what people were talking about, so that you know, you and I could have a conversation about mm. reality as opposed to you know just my opinion. Sure. And um, some of the stuff that has come out is that there were there there, there seems to be rumors, and and I must be honest from. From just the past couple of weeks, and I'm sure you would have noticed it as well, yeah. the moment there's a rumor, it, it lends to the old adage of where they smoke, there's fire. Yeah. So there were rumors, apparently, that um, there were other cabinet reshuffles that were planned, um, whether it was by the president with the influence of the Guptas or however it was supposed to have been done. Um, this was also, you know, one of the issues that, that, that needed to come into being. So the issue around how we how we look at, at it from a public perception perspective and the issue of cabinet reshuffles is that there's, there's, there's this doubt now that sits in our minds. Um, and the credibility of the president, whose prerogative it is to appoint ministers, we're sitting as a public, and that's what's coming through on social media, so it's not, you know, not me, but that's the sentiment that is coming through, is that do we, are we going to trust anything that he does? Um, this is this is what is being said. This is what people are kind of going. And you know, the sad thing for me is that you've got ANC stalwarts, you've got um, ruling party people that have you know that have fought for this country in different shapes and forms and those kind of things, whether old or young. And the the, the doubt that is beginning to set in, as much as you can stand forthright, that the stu- you can't take away what's happening sure. from an online public perception mm-hmm. perspective. And I think that is what is coming through now, is that, you know, what is really going on here? Do we trust everything that is being said to us? And, and actually we're starting to doubt it. So as a public in South Africa, this is the sentiment of the people. Let me just throw one stat at you very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, we measure one of the things that we measure from an online or social media perspective is sentiment. Mm. So how sentiment is measured is that you can check to see how many positive comments versus how many negative con- uh, comments there are. You know, in terms of a particular storyline. Sure. So if we look at hashtag Guptas, hashtag Zuma must fall, hashtag Guptas must go, or however many you know hashtags you put in, however many storylines you follow. The sentiment on average is a seven to one sentiment, which, um, let me explain that, is seven, for every seven negative comments, there's one positive comment. Mm. So I think from that perspective, yeah. it gives you a sense of what I'm trying to say. Sure, sure. Well, thank you so much, uh, Yavi, for giving us your time. And that just shows how much uh, social media is actually leading the way on how we feel about our politics. And it's interesting times now, especially leading to South Africa's uh, local government elections that are upcoming this year. Also, not quite sure when they coming up because that's also exactly. another debate that, that is still underway but thank you for giving us your time thank you we'll have another conversation about the election. yeah we would love to we would love to <laughs> i think that will be a good time to speak to you again that's yavi uh, madurai who is a social media analyst and earlier on we we're speaking to dr somadota figenia very much respected independent political analyst in south africa and we had to let him go because he's actually going to a huge meeting concerning this particular issue i will not give you the details because uh, we were told that confidentially we tried earlier on to speak to zizi kotwa who is 
is the ANC uh, spokesperson. We had uh, Zizi on the line, but as you could hear, that engaged line, he had he let us go. We don't know why. We'll find out what's going on there. That's unfortunate, but that lends to that uh, transparency issue that uh, Yavi was talking about in terms of public opinion, the ANC creating perception and being available for people to hear their views. Maybe that's a sentiment that we should also be aware of, that, hey, if they're not available, we'll never hear their thoughts and their views. Hey, what are your thoughts around that? what the issue we're talking about today? How close should business people like the Guptas be to politicians? This is it a good thing to have a son of a president really working for a huge influential business owner? What are your thoughts around that? Give us your WhatsApp uh, commentary on plus two seven seven six three zero zero three three two seven so you go into whatsapp you can even save us on your phone as uh, as channel africa and then you send us your message to that number plus two seven seven six three zero zero three three two seven as we actually accelerate this process of the whatsapp we'll give you commentary on air of what's actually people are talking about and what people are saying to us but hey let's quickly get a song and uh, this one is uh, from stimela it's titled where did we go wrong how appropriate Very, very relevant question there by the very awesome Afro uh, rock band called Stimela, based here in South Africa. They're still alive and well and still performing. That one was titled, Where Did We Go Wrong? Let's quickly move on to our economics update. We've got Wisani Matebula standing by. 
Good morning. Thanks, Benjamin. Zimbabwe plans to win back international funding by paying compensations to white farmers forced off their land. The new occupants working the land, many of whom had few farming skills when they were resettled, say they can barely make ends meet. Their agricultural output is a fraction of the level seen before 2000 when President Robert Mugabe said he was seeking to correct colonial injustices. The African Development Bank has warned African countries against rushing to take on more debt, saying Africa risks falling into a debt crisis. Sarah Kimani reports. African nations have rushed to international markets to borrow in order to plug financing gaps for new infrastructure. In the last 10 years, several African countries issued bonds worth more than $25 billion. Financial experts are worried that the continent could slip back into debt crisis as global interest rates rise, local currencies depreciate, and demand for Africa's natural resources slump. Kenyan and Ugandan presidents have held talks about which route to choose for an oil export pipeline. Uganda, which like Kenya has oil fields, is seeking to develop. Last year, Ugandan President um, Yoweri Museveni and his Kenyan counterpart Uhuru Kenyatta made a joint call to implement a pipeline through Kenya. And the South African Central Bank's leading business cycle indicator fell 0.6% month-on-month in January. The indicator collects data, including vehicle sales. Let's now look at your financial indicators. Uh, the dollar trading at 15.97 to the South African rand at 14.18 Botswana Pula and 11.32 Zambian Kwacha. Also trading at 0.70 against the British pound and 0.90 against the euro. Commodities now gold is at $1,246. Platinum at $976 a fine ounce and the spot price of Brent crude oil at $41.45 per barrel. That's your economics news for now. Well, Fixozo, also known as Fili Lingwati, is in our studios to give us our sports news. up in our sports update this hour starting off with football news Bafana Bafana's preparations for the crucial 2017 African Nations Cup qualifiers against Group M leaders Cameroon this week have kicked off on a worrying point with injuries being the main concern. The senior national men's football team assembled on Sunday at the Mill Park Hotel in Johannesburg but the spine of the team seems to be affected by injuries. Bafana play Cameroon in Limbe on Saturday and have a second game against the indomitable Lions in Durban next Tuesday. Team medical Dr. Tulani Ngwenya reveals that key players like Andy Lechali and Lengonga arrived from Europe with serious injuries. The first player is Andy Lechali. He has had uh, a shoulder dislocation during a training match on, uh, on a Saturday. They've reduced the, the shoulder. However, he still has some uh, restriction in terms of his mode of uh, movement. But uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be managing him here in camp. We won't be releasing him. Um, hopefully, he'll make it for... The second one is Anel Ngonga. Uh, we got a report from his team that he had an abdominal muscle strain. Um, he's 
just arrived, we're still going to assess him and then make a determination. There's already confirmation that Cyprus-based striker Dino Ndlovu has been withdrawn and replaced by Ndumisoma Benal. And asked on what he has gathered on the opposition, Bafana head coach Sheikh Mashaba continued to downplay the importance of profiling the opponent. Most unfortunately, I don't normally do that. I don't worry much about the opposition. I worry about our weak and our strong points. What do we need to do? Because this thing will make you relax and rest. So and so is not in their team. So whoever comes, we hit. Whoever they put in the team, whether they have a new coach or they have... I heard a lot of people have been phoning me. There's a new coach. He's not. A, we, we, we're going to play Cameroon and nothing else. And we're going to make sure we prepare our team to the best of our ability and then we play them. There's no secret. No secret. Football is about two things. Defending and attacking. And the only things that come in, the ingredient is how, when and why you do those things. And we emphasize in trying to eliminate our mistakes and capitalize on the opposition's mistake. And then finally, you'll expect players as a team and individually to give of their best. And in that way, battle have we won. And two Algerian players banned for four years for testing positive for cocaine have had their bans applied worldwide. Football's well governing body says a third player, Keredin Mezugi, who tested positive for an illegal stimulant, also had his four-year ban extended globally. Algeria international Youssef Belaidi is banned until the 19th of September 2019 and Rafik Boussaid until a day later. Mezugi of MC Alger is banned until the 24th of January 2020. He tested positive for methylhexamine. And in Paralympics, the Paralympic gold medalist and sprint sensation Anufori is eager to replicate the good performances by world champion Wade van Niekerk at the same track in Bloemfontein, where van Niekerk became the first man in history to run a sub-10 seconds in the 100 meters, a sub-20 in the 200 meters, along with a sub-44 seconds in the 400 meters. Fori will be participating in the 100 and 200 meters events at the Nedbank National Championships for the physically disabled in Bloemfontein this week. Yeah, Wade, what a legend. Yes, uh, the fact that he went 9-9, what did he, went 9-9-8 or whatever. So, um, nice tailwind and the conditions was quite good. So, it, it seems like today as well and for this week, they, uh, the weather looks quite nice. So, we're expecting good times for sure, man. I mean, we had altitude, like one of the highest altitudes here in, in South Africa competing at. The track is quite fast, like what it showed. So, um, yeah, that definitely brings excitement. And we're excited to hold our nationals at a... At a at a track that's um, at altitude and that we um, expect them to run fast times. So, yeah, you never know. It's early in the season. I mean, it's still March where we have to lead up to September, I mean, for the games. But, yeah, anything's possible, man. Let's see what happens. And finally, with cricket news, New Zealand's cricket coach Mike Harrison says their next match in the World 2020 tournament will be a challenge due to Pakistan's unpredictability. New Zealand are contenders to win the tournament after notching up victories over inaugural champions India and 50-over champions Australia in their opening two matches. Victory over Pakistan on Tuesday would put the New Zealanders into the knockout stages of the tournament. On the other side, Pakistan skipper Shahid Afridi says his team is focused on making fewer mistakes to proceed further in the tournament. 
Pakistan, the 2009 champions, started the tournament on a strong note by convincingly beating Bangladesh, but then lost to fierce rivals India. And that's your Sport News this hour. Well, that's how we wrap up our program. Remember the question we asked them today. How close should uh, business people be to uh, politicians? Give us your thoughts. WhatsApp us on plus two seven seven six three zero zero three three two seven. That's our WhatsApp number, plus two seven seven six three zero zero three three two seven. Or you can email us at info at channelafrica.org. Don't forget our Facebook page is titled Channel Africa. And also we've got a Twitter handle for Channel Africa at Channel Africa One and also another one at uh, African Dialogue. So we've got two uh, uh, handles that you can find us on on our Twitter. But until next time, we'll be back with you tomorrow, same place, same time, right here on Channel Africa. Until then, God bless.